Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where we're putting a bow on the decade. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. I'm going to put a Leonardo sword. It's terrible. I'm sorry. It was a Ninja Turtles joke, and it just didn't work. It didn't work at all. Today, we're talking about Games of the Decade, part one, because I don't think there's enough time to do everything without this turning into an hour and a half, and we're trying to be better about that this year. Or maybe longer, depending on how we start talking about some of these games. Yeah, exactly. So... Before we dive into that, we will dive into the first half of the decade here very shortly, but I need to announce up front that Disney Forever, the other podcast that I'm on that I've been working on with Katie from the Tea Time podcast, is finally live like everywhere. And this is why I've only mentioned it in passing and not up front before is because like we were waiting for the final approvals on like Apple was kind of the big holdup. It's really officially live. It should be on every major podcast platform as of yesterday when we're recording this. So when you guys are listening as of a couple days ago um, and you know, if you haven't heard about this yet, Katie and I are trying to watch every Disney movie ever, which is a <laughs> tall order. Um, but you can watch along or you can just listen along to our reactions to it. You don't actually have to watch the movies. Um, either way is good. But we realized once we were a couple episodes in that we should actually tell people up front, like, here are the movies that are coming up so people can watch along with us and have their reactions with us. And even though there's only a couple episodes posted, we're already getting a lot of good reactions and people like, oh, tell me what's next so I can, you know, watch ahead, which is really, really cool to see. Yeah, it really is. Like, I hadn't actually thought about watching, like, watching ahead and, like, going along with it, kind of like a book club or a, or a watching club. But uh, when somebody had mentioned that on Slack today, actually, when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's how you, that's how you would treat this. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. So, and what are y'all going to be talking about soon? So, here's the first, like, 10 of them because what happened was we got caught in the apple approval system over the holidays but we kept recording so we have a giant backlog so you guys are gonna get two episodes a week for like the first month and a half because katie and i are sitting on this like 10 episode backlog at this point so if you want to watch ahead you can because i know the first about 10 of these i think this is nine or ten right here so here we go Here's where we're kicking off. There's Moana, there, which is 2016, a recent one. There's the story of Robin Hood and his Merry Men, the live-action one from 1952. There's the animated Robin Hood from 1973. We did Steamboat Willie from 1928. Flight of the Navigator from 1986. Who Framed Roger Rabbit from 1988. Coco from like, two years ago, two, uh, 2017. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which is dwarfs instead of dwarves. It's really strange, but it's from is 1937. It? it is. I ran into that as we were doing the episode. Um, and huh. then Sleeping Beauty is 1952. And then Enchanted from 2007. And we don't know what's beyond that because that's how far we've recorded. But there's like <laughs> 10 of them to get us started. And like I said, we're releasing two episodes a week. By the time you guys are hearing this, at least episode zero and then the first two real episodes after that will be out. So you can dive in right away. Um, I would love it if people listen and react and tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you like to see improved. But really, it's just another community building thing for the Geek Geek Network. We want people to listen along and participate and give us your reactions, too, because we want to hear things we didn't think about or how other people reacted to the movies. And as you can tell, the reason that I hopefully you can tell the reason I was listening the different years is because we're really trying to go all over the place. We're not trying to go for the most popular or the most recent or the like go in order. We're really trying to jump around to give us a good variety. 
And one of the things you were talking about in terms of interacting with the community, we did put Slack and Discord Disney Forever channels up where there's already discussion going on in there so that you can uh, follow along and really start talking about that. So it's uh, it's just going to be really, really cool. I'm excited for this. I've been excited for this. So I'm glad to see it finally getting pushed out there and people being able to uh, to interact with you and uh, because people love Disney. Like one thing that going into this, once, uh, once Disney Plus launched and just the massive amount of just I, I, just fanboying out that everybody did it was amazing to me to see just yeah everybody has this connection to disney a lot of people have this connection to disney and uh so this is going to be a fun uh community uh fanboying out yeah we're super excited so you guys can find that on like i said every major podcast platform just search for disney forever or if you go to anchor.com i think it's slash FM. disney forever An- sorry anchor.fm anchor.com is some sort of weird corporation of some kind it's not that then it's anchor.fm slash disney forever you will also find it and that one has the links to all of the different platforms on it too okay enough self-plugging and, oh go ahead oh you can one plug more me thing more. about That's great. that I will plug you more. I'm going to ask everybody for reviews for a new podcast. Uh, if you listen to this and you like it, if you listen to it and you don't like it, which I think you'll like it, go and make sure that you leave a review on iTunes. It takes a while for them to show. It takes a good number of them to actually start showing that there are reviews or ratings, and those legit help people decide on what they should listen to. With Disney being as popular as it is, having a, a good review uh, and rating system there set up is uh, really important so uh, i'm asking you to go do this if you like it so it would really 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 help people uh find the podcast yes that would be very much appreciated okay i took up five minutes of your time i appreciate it i'm not going to plug like this every week but i had to announce it because it's officially live and i'm super excited let's get into this week's episode so games of the decade we split this up into two episodes today we're talking 2010 to 2014 and we talked about it there's really two ways to kind of structure this um we could look at every game collectively from the last 10 years and try to like pick our top 10 um but we kind of liked the other way better so what we're doing is we're picking one game from each year to talk about so that gives us 20 games all in assuming that you and i have slightly different games which we do so far yeah, and I think they're probably going to stay fairly different as we go through, even though with our games of the year, they tend to be similar uh, since we've been doing the podcast. I think the ones that actually uh, have stuck in our minds are going to be pretty considerably different once we get into those. Yeah, and I, so I pulled a bunch of like honorable mentions from each year as games that, even if it wasn't your favorite or my favorite... Um, hopefully it will kind of remind you guys of where games were at in the decade when we're talking about these because as I pulled a bunch of options for myself for like the game I could pick to talk about I was like oh this really helps ground me in the time that this game came out so I thought I would leave it in here and I'll just do a quick list as we get into each year so you guys can kind of mentally adjust to like where we were in gaming at the moment um with all that said, let's like dive into it. So 2010, uh, first year of the decade, some honorable mentions from this year. There was Mass Effect 2, Minecraft officially released this year, even though it had been out in beta for a while before. Um, Mario Galaxy 2 is this year. So was Halo Reach and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. So it's actually like a really strong year overall. What game did you pick to talk about? 
Uh, well, the the main one that stuck. Well, let me say this: the 2010 games. When you listed all of them, when I was looking them up online, it struck me that 2010 was still during that point where I didn't play a lot of games. So all of these, I have this feeling of 2010, and in the end, it all came down to like World of Warcraft Cataclysm that released that year, the expansion Cataclysm, where they redid the entire game. It was basically saying. We know that there's not a great experience for new players、uh, going through our older content that's six years old now and is now would have been like sixteen、uh, years old, I guess. It was fifteen last year, and so they they redid everything, like they broke the world apart literally in the game and redid all of the old old zones. And Cataclysm is probably my favorite WoW expansion because of just how all encompassing it was. With that, they put in、uh, new races that were super interesting with goblins and、uh, worgen and the raids. It was during the period where I was a raider whenever I played World of Warcraft, pretty much the entire time、um, at one you know one level or another, and it. It had some of my favorite raids. It's kind of、uh, poo pooed on now as people look back at Cataclysm for the things that it did to the game and how they changed a lot of stuff. But I have some of my best memories of doing like heroic raiding in Firelands and、uh, really just having fun with people. So I have a really really strong connection to WoW Cataclysm、uh, just because of、uh, the the. Human connections that I made.、Um, it's also when I realized that World of Warcraft doesn't always make me happy, and that、uh, if I'm not enjoying and having fun playing a game, I probably shouldn't spend that many hours a week playing it. So,、uh, very, very、uh, mixed way of thinking about WoW. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that WoW is in your mix for the games of the decade. I just didn't know which year it would fall in, so it's kind of interesting that it's so early. And I know you might have other expansions later when we get to it, but I think、right. that. This was a good one to highlight to start for you.、Um, for me in 2010, I I picked StarCraft II, and it's because it has had such a huge impact on my decade. It's not necessarily my favorite. It's not necessarily the one that I think is the strongest. Right? Like if I were picking the game from this year that had the biggest impact on gaming, it would be Minecraft. If I was picking my favorite game of the year that I think still holds up, and I, I want more people to experience, go back and find it. It's probably going to be Mass Effect II. But StarCraft、mm. II for me. Is so important because it is why I started blogging. And like, if you go and you look at the very beginning pieces of my blog from like 2010, this is the year that I started like producing content on the internet. It was a decade ago at this point, which is、Man. crazy to me.、Um, but blogging led me to all these like communities that I'm in now of people that were bloggers or are bloggers still, and a lot of them have become podcasters like you. Like this podcast would not exist if. StarCraft II did not exist. That's how important is, it is because, like, that is I found these through blogging, right? Yep, yeah, because I'd started blogging back in two thousand eight and had been doing stuff with ProfessorBeach dot com back then. So、uh, this was wow, this was only even a couple of years after that because I was thinking you had already been blogging at that point. Not really. Like StarCraft II is really what got me to dig in, and it was I, I was playing in the beta, and the beta is.、Um, 
it, it's really what like got people to notice my blog and pulled me into the community for the first time truly because yeah. I wrote a bunch of guides for the beta, which I've never written video game guides before or since, but huh. I was in the beta and most people weren't. So I wrote a bunch of content because I thought people would find it useful, not because I was trying to do SEO like I do for my job now or not because I was trying to get clicks or likes or you know any of the modern things. It was legitimately just like, oh, I can do this and help people out. Let me try that. And I did and it got picked up all all of these places and that was like I've never had more traffic to anything on my personal like blog or anything along those lines except for those Starcraft 2 like beta guides and huh. I don't know it's just it has completely changed the shape of my decade because of what I started because of right around that time of Starcraft 2 so it absolutely has to be the game that I talk about for 2010 no question yeah that that is un undoubtedly probably the probably the game of the decade overall just in terms of maybe not favorite but most influential like you said it shaped everything from the very beginning like we can stop the the show now it's just like game of the decade there it is yeah it's crazy so it it surprised me that 2010 was so strong up front um but let's get into 2011 so 2011 a couple honorable mentions here uh like Batman Arkham City was this year, Bastion was this year, which was hmm. really good. You know, Super Mario 3D Land, Mario Kart 7. Um, what did you pick for 2011? Uh, 2011, again, this was when I wasn't playing a lot of console games. Uh, and I actually loved uh, Batman Arkham City, but I didn't play it until the next year. So I thought about that one, even though, because I fell hard for it, but I didn't play it this year. And so that year it was Star Wars The Old Republic for me. I looked so forward to it. I was, it was basically Knights of the Old Republic 3 for me, uh, like everybody else at the time. And I was looking so forward to it. I pre ordered the collector's edition with the big statue and the uh, physical authenticator key, the, the separate books and the steel book. Like, I was all in. I waited on this to go live the in the early access. I was one of the very, very, very first people to log into the game when it went live so that I could reserve my name that I stayed. I don't remember. Let's see. It was 2011. So I probably stayed home from work that day to be able to play it, uh, knowing me if I'm thinking like I can't remember what day of the week it was, but I know that I was up at my computer waiting on the servers to go live so that I could make sure to get uh the actual just name damien on the uh, server that i was playing on and uh it makes me it breaks my heart it makes me sad that when uh they did the free to play conversion i wasn't still playing actively and i lost my name and uh because they they reset names for people who uh, didn't have subscriptions at the time and it uh, i lost it but i was one of the very first people to log in i loved this game it was absolutely worth like the wait for me going through all of it it was great to experience this when it was brand new uh nobody knew what was going on i was huge into pvp with it for a while i still like star wars the old republic uh it's just that whenever i'm in the mood to play it i have to be in the mood for mmo mechanics uh but it's still got some fantastic storytelling and it it's worth going back through that content that came out in 2011 because the bioware stories are still there and they're really good star wars stories yeah, I mean, the first part of the decade was, like, MMO-dominated for you, for sure. Yeah, yeah, hardcore MMO-dominated. Yeah, that doesn't, like I said, that doesn't surprise me at all. Including the previous decade as well. Like, from, honestly, from about 1998, when I started playing Ultima Online, 
to really 2012, 2013-ish, it, 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 we're still, that's still up in the air on whether or not that, like, MMOs were my predominant gaming uh, genre and kind of platform. Honestly, I didn't do much else. Yeah, I mean, I see your next couple on here, so we'll get there in a second, because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first half of the decade, you were doing a lot of MMO stuff. Um, for me, for 2011, it's Skyrim, and mm. it's, like, I feel almost bad, because it's such a stereotypical answer for a game of the decade, because it's so well-known, and everybody's played it at this point, and it's on every system ever, and they keep re-releasing it, remastering it, and everything. It's just, it's such a good Western RPG, and I loved it at the time. Um, you know, I don't know if I want to ever go back and play it again at this point, nine years away from it, but it was, it was really, really good. And I'm still excited for the next, um, Elder Scrolls game, whenever that ends up coming out. So yeah, I don't have anything to say about Skyrim that a million people haven't said before, but it's a super solid game. So it's my choice for 2011. And it was my first Elder Scrolls game that I'd never really gotten into and played one. So Skyrim absolutely deserves to be on there because I've, until it, I never liked Elder Scrolls games and I never liked first person RPGs. So for me, it actually holds a uh, a place for me just because it uh, introduced me to that style of enjoying that style of game, I guess, and the uh, series as a whole. Like, oh, I can explore this and this and this and this. This. I'd never really gone, you know, head over heels into something like that. Just dug in and fell in. <laughs> yeah, it's a good game. I mean, Skyrim, everybody likes it. Not everyone yep. likes it, but everyone knows of it. Um, everybody knows it, yeah. So 2012, uh, there were a lot that I pulled for this year for like possibilities. Um, there's Zombies Run, there's FTL. This is the year that Dishonored came out and Mass Effect 3. Animal Crossing New Leaf, which is still the best Animal Crossing because the new one hasn't come out yet. Um, Bravely Default, Guild Wars 2, hmm. Diablo 3, Assassin's Creed 3, Journey was this year. Uh, Persona 4 Golden, which is honorable mention and not my choice because I played it in later years. So I kind of kicked it out of the eligibility for myself. But yeah, there's a lot of games in 2012 that were really, really good. Yeah, 2012 was a was really a transition year for me in a lot of different ways. Excuse me, 2012 was uh, uh, the year that my dad passed away, and it was the year that I really got into fully losing my weight. I'd lost like 70-ish pounds at this point. Uh, well, I'd lost about 100 pounds, gained it back after dad died, then really started digging in and uh, losing the rest of it. So I was unable to like really sit down and play MMOs as well as much as I had before, like using that as a primary uh, pastime. So it started really transitioning me into playing console games and games that weren't necessarily that long. So uh, when I was looking at the uh, looking at the, the, the games as they came out, I was like, man, my year really was split because Guild Wars 2 came out that year, which I was really excited about Guild Wars 2 and played it for a long time when it was uh, when it first came out. I played for months and months and months and months and really got into it. But then everything just kind of came to a head and it wasn't really where I, I 
wanted to stick with it. Uh, and then Journey came out, and Jennifer played Journey and blew me away. And kind of that was one of those games that, on top of like the the life circumstances that year, it was like, oh, this is what console games have become now. Maybe I should really see more of this kind of game uh, and really uh, focused in more because of it. So Journey and Guild Wars 2, but probably more than anything, Journey really shaped the way that I saw that year. Uh, That sounds about right, based on how much you've talked about Journey and what it meant to you at the time and since. So it's not not surprising to me there. Um, For me, it was Fire Emblem Awakening because Mm. I had never gotten into Fire Emblem before this game. And you guys know at this point how much I love the series. I don't really love the whole series. I love Fire Emblem from Awakening and after. Like the series before that is a totally different game. It's just like a strategy game. Um, after this is the first game that really had characters that develop, and you have these relationships and bonds that form, and then they have these like social levels with each other that raise over time. And not only does it make them better units, but they fight better together. But really, it's like it gives you story beats for all of the characters. None of that really existed before Fire Emblem Awakening. So right, and the other thing is Fire Emblem Awakening is the first time that permadeath was optional because that was the other thing that kept me away from the series was permadeath was always on and this is the first time where they're like oh there's a classic mode where that's true and there's a casual mode where permadeath doesn't exist and i always play on casual mode because i don't like permadeath in these games yep so in any game i will say any game permadeath is i usually don't i come down 90 percent of the time i don't like it but if it's Mm. implemented in a unique way that's really interesting sometimes i can be okay with it um but yeah i mean fire emblem awakening is the one that hooked me on the series and i've just loved fire emblem ever since then so i have to pick it like fire emblem awakening is such a strong one for me and I hear from so many people that Awakening is just a strong game, that it was just a a really good uh, way to introduce Fire Emblem to the West because of that, that it had already been here, but that was the one that really got picked up and saved the series because it was just so good. Yeah, it did. It literally saved the series. They were going to cancel it after that game, and then it had such good sales that they fi- they decided... Uh, okay, we're going to take it in this new direction because people seem to like it. And right. now we have games like Three Houses, which just was fantastic this year. Um, just astonishing, yeah. Yeah. So 2013, some of the games that came out that we didn't pick, uh, The Last of Us was this year. So was Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. Um, the Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, which is one of my favorite Zelda games. I didn't pick it as mine, but it came out this year. Uh, Pokemon X and Y, Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon. All those games came out in 2013. <laughs> Where'd you land on 2013? Bioshock Infinite was mine in 2013. Interesting. You don't play a lot of one shooters. of my favorite games. I don't, but Bioshock games, I am all about. They don't feel like shooters to me so much as uh, as I'm there for the story and the the atmosphere and the whole experience of it. That I really fell into that that to that series when I was home alone for a weekend. My roommate had gone out of town, and I I needed something to play, so I went to Blockbuster, got uh, and yes, this is back when you could rent games at Blockbuster, uh, and rented the first Bioshock and beat it over the weekend and was completely 
blown away. And uh, so when Infinite came out and with everything they were doing with it, it was a day one purchase for me. And I remember uh, just sitting at my computer playing it and just being enamored with everything they had done with the storytelling and how it all just fit together. And Austin had come over a bunch at that point and we were uh, like, I was playing it and he was watching me uh, play it. And it was just, it was just a super fun game. And even though, and I'm not good at, at shooters, like I am, I'm not good at this game at all. So I was able to turn down the difficulty on this one to, to make it so that I could uh, not uh, want to like, just put my fist through my monitor because on the higher difficulties this game is insane uh but it was just so much fun to play it was so pretty that the story was just so good and even the dlc is good for it that uh the dlc stories that they've done for uh, bioshock infinite are great i am so excited there's another bioshock game coming out this one's just a just a great game i forgot how much that one meant to you so that's yeah. cool yeah i'm glad you got to highlight it here uh i picked super mario 3d world and, you know, at this point, sitting here in 2020 now that it is, I still think that Super Mario 3D World is the best 3D Mario game that they have ever made. Uh, any of them, right? The exploration variety or the platformy straight up variety. Yeah. Um, throughout all of it, like, I think this is the best 3D Mario game. I just love it. Like, I want them to port it to Switch. I want to play this game again. I have played through this game multiple multiple times and i usually don't do that with games in general but even mario games that i love and they have a special place in my heart i usually don't replay through them all the way you know i'll go back and i'll visit mario every once in a while i'll pick up a game and play the first couple levels and be like oh right super mario world um right but super mario 3d world is one of the only mario games that i've legitimately played start to finish like probably four times maybe five times at this point um it's just so good it's it's such a great onboarding point for 3d mario games but then the levels are just fantastic too so i love that game it's one where i've not touched at all like i want to it's uh i have the wii u that's one of the reasons that i've saved the wii u and haven't sold it off or anything is because i want to play mario 3d world and i haven't done it like i've heard from you that it's the best one that you've played like that it's uh that that so many other people love it i love the uh, mario 3d world stuff in mario maker 2 Still haven't played the game, and I uh, I want to. Okay, fair enough. Um, so 2014, the last game of the first half of the decade here. Or sorry, not last game, last year in the first half of the decade. <laughs> yeah, I can speak. Um, honorable mentions, so stuff that came out this year that we didn't pick. There was like Dragon Age Inquisition was this year, Shadow of Mordor, Destiny, so mm-hmm. the original Destiny release, um, Titanfall, which is Titanfall 1, not 2, Mario Kart 8, um, Shovel Knight, 80 Days, Tales from the Borderlands, all those kind of games were coming out in 2014. And you landed on an MMO again. Of course I did. Um, I landed on Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV had come out in 2013, and uh, it was a horrible failure of a game, and they redid it into fourteen. Um, y'all can go back and listen to a few seasons ago when we did a massive deep dive into Final Fantasy XIV, uh, where it was at the time. And a realm reborn was i had to go look i wanted to make sure that i was right what i was thinking about um that i went and looked when i started playing it with my friends and my first trial uh that went into a subscription was in 2014 so it had to be the game of the year because again that's what i ended up doing at this point it was how i was hanging out with my friends uh i was i'd moved to florence the year before so i was no longer living within just a few minutes of austin um and so i had a longer drive to work and 
and so I wasn't able to like do as much physical hanging out with my friends as I had been. And we were all playing 14 together. So we got a free company, a guild, and uh, bought a house together, which is actually still there today, I believe, unless it fell within the last couple of months. Uh, we Our free company house in Mist is still there from 2014, uh, where we saved up and bought our own uh, big plot of land. And it's just that kind of thing that made it the game of the year for me is because even though it was an MMO and yes, the content is great, the game is fantastic, it really is, again, the uh, human connections that worked for me so well with it because it's it was a way that I was able to maintain social ties uh, during a time where I felt like I was moving further away from my friends. So 14 is just a realm reborn is absolutely my 2014 game sweet yeah and i mean in the years since we've obviously talked about how much we like the different expansions and how it's come back up over time and how much it means to us so it's cool that you had that connection with the base game because i never had that so it's interesting that it kind of landed in a totally different part of the decade for you than it did for me and I, being an MMO player, the base game is really fantastic and what I like the best uh, because that was really, again, with the people and the raids that we were able to do together, all the dungeons and stuff, it felt like it was a more solid, uh, cohesive experience for me because we were all together doing all of this stuff at the same time where we've been doing the expansions, like me and you and then uh, Austin and Barry and everyone else have been doing the expansions kind of uh, stuff between like stair-stepped i don't know what word i'm looking for like there is a i don't know what word that is i know there's a word for it but uh i do it for a little bit and then somebody else will start it and then i'm ahead of them like we're never in sync and uh but that was not the case with a realm reborn with the very first base game of it so i'm uh yeah absolutely Cool. Yeah, for me, it was uh, Hearthstone was the game of Mm. that year. And, you know, it's for multiple reasons. Some of it is just that, like, it had such a big impact on digital card games for the rest of the decade. Like, you know, the the other five years after that, like, we've seen this giant explosion of digital card games, and it is directly because of Hearthstone and Hearthstone's success. But I also picked it because that year, I've loved that game so much. Like, these days in 2020, I'm not really playing it. I might go back at some point. I might play around with it. Um, but, you know, the, kind of the, the shine has worn off for me at this point. But, you know, this is five years later. And, like, at the time, it was amazing. I put so many hours into that game that year. And then in probably the couple years right afterwards, probably like 2015, 2016, that game saw me through a lot, right? Like a lot of freelancing where I was just waiting for clients or like waiting for projects or whatever. And I, I didn't have like the structure of a normal workplace for a few years in there. I was working from home. Hearthstone was something that I could dive into to just like disconnect my brain for half an hour. And I needed that so much right. at the time. Um, I was also doing more travel for the work that I was doing. So I have memories of like traveling and Hearthstone was my travel game. I would play it on my phone as I was like in the airport, like one of those sense memories, you know, where I just remember like certain times in airports where I was playing this game. And so personally, this game meant a lot to me for a few years in there. And then wider for the whole video game industry, I think it had such a huge impact on the rest of the decade. So I absolutely have to pick Hearthstone for that year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hearthstone has is the first digital card game that got it right that they're the ones, if they figured out at that point what digital card games could be, how they had to be simpler at the time than uh, 
tabletop card games could be because Magic Online and other games had failed, that they were not great experiences. And so Hearthstone figured it out. And now we have uh, Magic Arena, which is fantastic, but it plays really similarly to Hearthstone. Yeah, I mean, it's had a huge impact on all the other games that came after it. Like, it showed how seamless it can be, and everybody else has had to live up to that standard. And they have, for the most part. Like, I've liked other digital card games since then, and I know you have too. Um, Like, uh, Duelist, whenever it came out when we were... uh, doing the podcast like it was a different take on a digital card game but it was one that i don't think i would have even given much of the time of day had i not had the experience with hearthstone and seeing what digital card games could be for sure and like i wouldn't have gotten into magic the way that i did this year or i guess last year 2019 um if it hadn't been for all the groundwork that hearthstone late for me you know like the fact that it hooked me and it kind of got me into the card game mode truly for the first time ever it primed me to be ready for all the other games after it especially something as intimidating as like magic the gathering arena this year that i finally got hooked into so yeah it was super cool um so that's kind of the first half of the decade here we're going to do the rest of the decade next episode um we do have a couple minutes here so before we dive into one extra thing, um, don't mm-hmm. forget you can support the podcast on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast it helps us out hugely. It's how we do the hosting. It's how we expand the network. It's how all the money goes right back into the podcast, basically. So if you guys want to help us out, patreon.com slash geek to geekcast And I'd like to give a real nice thank you out there to Cody and Eric West. Y'all have become our patrons over the last week or two. And I would just like to give you a heartfelt thank you for supporting us, supporting uh, the content that we create and being such genuinely good people. Thanks, y'all. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, Around the network, don't forget, you can find podcasts, all sorts of good stuff, like Disney Forever. Um, You can find streamers. We have the Geekery blog. All of it is at geekmedia.com. And if you go to geekmedia.com slash subscribe, you can get it sent right to you, so you don't even have to hunt it down. It works out really nicely. So... Instead of Geekery this week, we have a couple minutes here at the end of the episode. I just want to give us both a chance to highlight a couple games from this first half of the decade that meant something to us that we didn't pick within that year. Right. Do you have any picked out? Because I have a couple. Well, Bravely Default really has uh really has clicked with me and it, it it's again one of those where i wanted to play it forever like i heard such good things about it i heard so many people tell me that it was one of the best final fantasy games i could play at the time and it is it is it's a fantastic final fantasy game um but it it got me through the point where i was uh really my mom was sick my mom had been diagnosed with cancer and it was during my big jrpg binge that i used to really deal with that and sit on my couch and not like deal with you know my feelings and emotions and everything that was going on and bravely default was the last game that i played before she passed away so it has a really special place for me and i know that because i was having a really obviously a really really hard emotional time and i i lash out when i have that happen and so it was me and my my extended families uh and members in the in the uh in the hospital room in, in hospice and um some of my family members said something that i was going to lash out at and i started and jennifer stopped me and was like 
you need to just take a breath and and you know you don't need to engage in this do something to, to calm yourself down and bravely default was that for me i was able to sit there on my 3ds and actually focus on that instead because it was so engaging instead of the the other things going on in my life and i finished it uh while my mom was in in hospice care a uh, few few days before she passed away so again like it's it's kind of of I don't even know what the word. It's not 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 morbid or anything, but it's melancholy uh, for me. But it's just a fantastic game that I'm never going to forget because it did actually help me through that that insanely difficult time. Wow. Yeah. I don't have anything nearly that powerful. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, no, I stole okay. your thunder there. You have another um, something that's not quite as impactful before I transition to mine. <laughs> I feel bad going from that to be like, hey, there's some games that I like. Um, Well, Arkham City got me playing uh, uh, console games a lot more right after, uh, what was the movie, Uh, Batman Dark Knight Rises. When it came out, like I went home uh, from vacation uh, while we were on vacation and we saw Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I went home and started playing Arkham City and it really was like, oh man, console games are awesome at this point. Like that was uh, in 2012, I think when I did it, like I said, I played it the year after it came out and it really was during that same thing as journey. It was like, man, I've missed out a lot. So Arkham city was also really important in terms of getting me back into uh, being the console gamer. I was when I was younger. That's awesome. Anything else? No, looking at all of these, I didn't add the, the honorable mentions in here. It's like, I loved shovel Knight like for, 10 minutes and then I never wanted to play it again uh, which which makes me sad because it's fantastic and I recognize that and it's like nope not my kind of game it's like the 80 days that you have mentioned on here it's like it was really good never could finish it and uh, I'm like two hours into Persona 4 Golden not two hours uh, like maybe 15 hours or something into Persona 4 Golden and uh, never beat it so I don't I can't say anything about it yeah okay that's fair um so i have a couple one let me get the easy one out of the way legend of zelda a link between worlds it's my favorite 2d zelda and that's about it like i don't know what else to say about it you know like if we're talking about breath of the wild which we will next episode there are so many things to say about it i don't think that a link between worlds does anything that's crazy new it does a little bit more like non-linearly than some of the other games but it's just i think it is like the best 2d zelda it's really good i want more people to play it and appreciate it for what it is um but besides that the other ones that i have are a little bit more impactful so 80 days which you never clicked with it is it's the reason that I got into interactive narratives the way that I have. Mm, and I yeah. know you've heard me talk about this over the last couple of years about how much I love a really good kind of like, uh, I always call it like interactive fiction, but you know, you could also call it just choose your own adventure type of game. And I love them when they're done well in video game form. It's because of 80 days. It's because 80 right. days showed me what this could be when it is its best. And that is still probably my favorite interactive fiction game ever made. And I, I still push it on people because it's such a good game. Um, no, I love 80 days. And then uh, another one in here is Persona 4 Golden because it got me into Persona. Um, the reason it wasn't in the first five years of the decade here when we talked about our like picks of each year is just because i played it later than it came out i think it was like Mm. two years later than it came out it might have even slipped into 2015 but it makes more sense to talk about it here and it's what got me into persona like i had never played persona or shin megami tensei or any of the other games around it before um and this is the one that finally broke through to me 
And now I would say it's probably one of my favorite games of all time. You know, if you look at Persona as a series, like I love Persona 5. Persona 4 Golden was amazing. So yeah, just for getting into the Persona series, that one was really important to me. And then the last one I want to call out here is Minecraft, which of course, everybody's been impacted by Minecraft. It feels like Mm -hmm. so many people have memories of it. For me, it's kind of like a really weird but but good, weird in a good way, bookend to the decade for me. Because most of my time in Minecraft, like hundreds and hundreds of hours of playing Minecraft, happened in 2009. So before the decade even started. Because I was playing the beta. Like I didn't play oh, in the alpha, okay. but I played in the beta for a really long time. And I would say 95% or more of the amount of hours that I put into Minecraft ever happened in the beta version. Like... After it came out, I was so far beyond it. Like, I was so done with it because I'd played so much of it. And now on the other end of the decade, we're in 2020, and my kids are playing Minecraft. They love Minecraft. They love to make things in Minecraft and show them to me or have me log into my, my, my Minecraft account and, like explore what they've created you know they'll make Hmm. things for me for holidays or special events in minecraft and i get to go like explore them and i didn't know that that's so wonderful it is it's wonderful and that's the thing right it's this bookend of my decade because when i was playing it in 2009 i didn't have any kids like it was just me and i was playing it and i loved it for the game and then i had this long period of being like no i'm done with that like i've seen everything i had to offer i put my hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into that game i don't need to spend more time on it and now i've come back around to this is really cool because my kids are so into it and I get to appreciate it from that end of things. So Minecraft is just hugely important. It just, it wasn't actually the game of any of my years within the decade itself, which is kind of strange. Yeah, that is, that is strange that it was so impactful for the decade overall, but you didn't like play it that much. No, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's, that's, I think where we'll end this episode. We'll pick up right there next time with 2015 um you guys can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we also have great discussions on slack discord and reddit you can go to geek to geekmedia.com for invite links and while you're there make sure to check out all the other content on the network i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter i'm also on disney forever which is a podcast where we watch and react to different disney movies every week which hopefully you know from what i said at the top of the show i'm not used to saying that i gotta write that so it flows better anyway yes disney forever check it out <laughs> i am on twitter as at professor beach that's beach with two e's and you can listen to me even more on the dragon quest fm podcast we've been void beach with your geek to geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks <laughs> bye <laughs>